Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 162. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate your support. Please make sure you're telling your friends, your family, your coworkers all about this show. Keep this community growing. I appreciate your support. We're continually rising in the iTunes rankings, and I couldn't do it without your support. If you haven't done so, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review, and let let the world know what you think about this show. Again, thank you so much for your support. I want to introduce to you my new partners to the show, 99designs. You know, they've been so great with me and helping me with my design of my business. You know, it's all about selection, speed, and creativity. These are just a few benefits of having several designers work for you and helping you on your project. So if you want to start your next design project, I encourage you to go to 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. Well, I'm so excited today to have Dan Quiggle on the phone. I've been looking forward to this interview. He is the founder of the Quiggle Group, a group that promotes and expands excellence in leadership. Through leadership retreats, corporate training, and keynote speaking, Meaningful, tangible educational components are introduced, which add real-life value to the pursuit of leadership excellent, both personally and professionally. His premier program, the Reagan Experience, is a unique, customized training held at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi, California. He began his professional career in the office of Ronald Reagan. He learned leadership personally from the master himself, President Ronald Reagan. He's got a brand new book out. It's called The Reagan Way. It's coming out. It's a book that uh, takes the leadership lessons of Ronald Reagan and applies them to life and business in meaningful, memorable ways. Dan, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Richard. Appreciate it. Well, you know, I said in the, when we were setting up this interview that um, Ronald Reagan was, you know, especially I grew up in the 80s. I was in, uh, I think when he was elected, I was in sixth grade. And when he was out, I had just, uh, you know, started... I guess getting ready to start. Well, I was in high school, I guess. I was finishing up. But I look back at those years with fond remembrance, and especially seeing the presidents that have come on since then. I go back to those days with, with a fond memory, and I wasn't really into politics back then. So take a, take us back to that. How did you get associated with Ronald Reagan? So imagine this. And, you know, I had this surreal once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where, you know, I, I had Ronald Reagan as my hero. I mean, my parents uh, have a picture of me at 12 years old sitting off the curb with a Ronald Reagan for president sign in 1980. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and, and then in high school, you know, had, um, you know, just looked up to the president. So, you know, so often in life you have a hero and then you meet them. There's a great saying that says, if you ever have a hero, don't ever meet them because typically you're let down. Well, for me, not only did I get to meet him, but I got to work for him, and uh, he was even better in real life than I had anticipated. So that pedestal went higher and higher, and that was just such a, a neat opportunity to to meet him, get to know who he was, how he treated people, and it was a great lesson in leadership, a front row, row seat to history. What is your favorite thing to tell people about the man? Yeah, I think I think that he was exactly who you thought he was. He was authentic. Um, he he had uh, I think four very specific traits. I mean, when I speak on the president, I talk about an attitude of gratitude, um, you know, loyalty, uh, humility, and humor as kind of the four. And and those aren't 
traits that you typically associate with the, the super powerful. But, um, you know, President Reagan just thanked people around him. And, and when you start to see how that affects, you know, even the staff and, and, and you know, whether they have this great uh, attitude of gratitude um, toward others, it, it makes a difference in the office. And so, you know, I love to tell private stories. And, um, you know, I have one favorite. I don't know if you mind if I tell Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, yeah. You know, when it, when it comes to that, I, I, I remember I was sitting up in that. You know the movie Die Hard? Yeah. With Bruce Willis? Yeah. So he had the whole top floor of that building. And I started February 6th, 1989, on his birthday. And, uh, you know, there we were in the office singing happy birthday to the president. There were probably 12 of us in the conference room. It was, again, just surreal is, is the term I would use. And, uh, but you know you get you get used to working in the office day to day and seeing him and and I I thought it was funny because each and every day the you know people we get the schedule and you know that year and a half that I was directly in the office Mother Teresa Malcolm Forbes Gorbachev wow. Margaret Thatcher Bush Quayle they would all come up to the office so we'd get pictures in between them and travel with the president I mean really unique opportunities but one day the phone rings there was a president he was on his way in that morning and. Uh, it was so interesting because he said, hey, Dan, could you do me a favor? Could you go to the gift closet, grab some gifts, and meet me down at the car? Well, I didn't realize what it was for, and I wasn't certainly going to question him, so I just go to the gift closet, grab some gifts, and they had tie tacks and cuff links and the presidential seal and, and you know, and on one side and his signature engraved in gold on the back. And so I grabbed them, um, beautifully wrapped, of course, and I meet him down at the garage, you know, 34 floors down. And, uh, and what I didn't realize was there was a guy from Mexico. He didn't speak a lot of English, but he worked in the garage, wore top hat and tails. It was a very nice building, so that was his uniform. And every day when the president's limo would come to the garage, he would run to the outskirts of the garage and salute the limousine. <laughs> and as the limo would circle around through the garage with Secret Service in tow, he would run back at full pace, you know, full speed, in dress shoes and top hat and tails, and he had bought his own American flag, and he would stand there and hold the American flag and hold the door open for the president. Well, classic leadership and this attitude of gratitude I was talking about, the president, you know, meets me at the car, and, I, you know, I meet him there, and I, I go, he was like a little kid, he's like, over here, over here, and he, you know, I hand him the gifts, and I was wondering what the heck we were doing. Well, he starts walking toward the door, and you have to picture the scene, there's two Secret Service agents, myself and the president, and he stops at this guy. And the guy just starts shaking. I mean, the flag is shaking and the door is shaking, and, you know, President Reagan looks at him and says, you know, every day I come through this door, and every day you make me so proud to be an American. And he said, the way you stand there with that flag and the pride you take in your job, he said, I know it's not much, but I want to give you a few tokens of my appreciation for what you do every day, which is make my day. Wow. And he goes to hand him the gifts. Well, my favorite part is, you know, the, you have to picture the scene again because the guy's trying to hold the flag, hold the door, grab the gift, shake hands. He can't do it all. So one Secret Service agent jumped to grab the flag. The other one jumped in to grab the door. And I'm standing there going, you know, I love you, man. You're such a good person. <laughs> because, you know, he thanked people all the time. And my favorite part about that is that there were no cameras there. Yeah. This was who he was when people weren't watching. And when you see that time and time again, you see what real leadership looks like. Yeah. It's not demanding, it's not threatening, it's thankful, it's inspiring, and it's motivating. That's just a great story, you know, and it, and it just reaffirms everything that you do. Like you said, he, he, he does, and I've never met him, but he does seem like the type of person that he is who he portrays himself to be. There, there is nothing inauthentic about him, and it's encouraging to hear that from your perspective. 
Yeah, it, it was fun. It was just a matter of fact, I, you know, I would get the schedule each day in the office and I would act very calm and normal. And then I'd go to my office, shut the door and call my mom and go, you have no idea who's coming in today. <laughs> and she'd be you know, so as excited as I was that she'd say, call me the second they leave, you know, tell me about it. And then I'd hang up the phone and act like it was all normal. Yeah. But it wasn't normal. I mean, it was just so exciting and so, you know, um, such a neat opportunity to uh, to be there and witness that. How did it, how did that start for you? I mean, how did you get associated with that? When you, and what did you even do? I'm not even clear about what you did for him. Yes, yeah, so, so I was just an aide. As a matter of fact, they did an event the other day, and um, I even I, I came before the intern program. So I, I don't even know you know what you want to call it, but I was really at the time the first and only non-White House staffer in the office. Wow. So everybody else came from the White House, but I was president of the UCLA College Republican Club, and President Reagan would come to Los Angeles quite a bit. So I started getting calls while he was president from the White House staff asking for volunteers, you know, people to carry bags, drive in the motorcades, you know, whatever we, 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 you know, could help out with. And, you know, of course, every time I met somebody within the staff, I would send out a handwritten letter the next day. It was a pleasure meeting you. If I could be of any assistance in the future, please let me know. Sincerely, Dan Quiggle. And, and what happened was the more people I met, the more, you know, the, I was networking, and that's all I was doing. Sure. And, uh, two weeks before President Reagan got out of office, I got the call I was waiting for, and they said, Dan, how would you like the opportunity of a lifetime? Wow. You don't say no to that. And I said, yes, of course. And they said, how would you like to come work up in, in, in President Reagan's office? So that began the journey. And uh, and over the years, I had a chance to you know have a great relationship with Mrs. Reagan and the Reagan Foundation. And that's where the Reagan experience came from. Um, you know, we have uh, right, the opportunity and rights to, to host these leadership conferences up at the library and, and introduce uh, other people to Ronald Reagan, his life, his legacy, and and uh, you know all the good things that we can learn from him as a leader. You know, especially after seeing after he passed. Uh, gosh, how long has it been now? I'm starting to even think about that. When did ten he, years? Ten it was years. Actually, ten years. Just a few weeks ago. Yeah, can you imagine that? I just and, and and the good news is, I remember when all that happened. It's almost like, especially when you go back to the '80s when he was a presidency, and remember how. Um, unlike even today in the political climate, I think it's a little worse today. But even then, remember, um, kind of the image that was somewhat portrayed about him oh he's he's old he's he doesn't he all his faculties aren't there he's kind of a boob um i would say that history's been somewhat kind to him in retrospect what what is what is your take on that no, I, I definitely think so. I mean, he, you know, he was an inclusive leader, not an exclusive leader compared right. to what we have today. Yeah. Um, you could disagree with the president on 10 things. He'd find the 11th one and say, let's go have a drink and talk about That's it. That's right. Yeah. Today, it's the, t- today in business and in politics, it's the complete opposite. I mean, you could agree on 10 things, and if you disagree on the 11th, I hate you. And that's just not real leadership. That's and, right. And, and, you know, for me, again, you know, I spend my whole life trying to emulate the feeling that I had in that office yeah. where, you know, I felt, I felt protected. I felt needed. I felt wanted there. Um, you know, I felt that loyalty and, and also, and, and I say this, when you add the humor component into it, yeah. what is, you know, when, 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 you, when somebody doesn't take themselves too seriously, what does that allow your employees to do from a leadership perspective, the people around you to relax, yeah. to be themselves, to take a calculated risk. And I felt that in the office all the time. And that's a powerful mixture that you create. It's a culture that you create. And I always say, you know, it, from a, from a company perspective, from a leadership entrepreneurial perspective, um, think about it. Uh, 
anyone can be CEO of a company. You know, you go to you go to Kinko's, it's like six dollars. You put your name on a card, and boom, you're CEO. But who's who's going to build a company where people actually want to be there? Yeah. Where they feel like they're part of something. I mean, Google, Chick Fil A, In and Out Burger, Zappos. These people can't wait to get to work, and they're making chicken sandwiches. That's right. No, it's and, and you know, and, and and it's the same thing in politics and business. When you create a vision, I mean, I mean, think about this for a second. Ronald Reagan comes into office, you know, in in, in 1980. What was the economy like? I mean, there was there was a misery was bad, index, very bad, yeah. You know, high high inflation, high unemployment. Within 24 hours, these are direct quotes. He said, "It's morning again yeah. in America. It's a new dawn." In America, there's a shining city on the hill, and we're now the economy was no different than it was 24 hours prior. But what was different, right? The yeah. perception, the perception of yeah, new leadership. That's right, and the vision. And and like you said, I think that, and especially looking back in retrospect, that inclusiveness that is so lacking even today. And what a what a a horrible missed opportunity. And I don't care what your politics are, you cannot deny the fact that a horrible opportunity has been wasted. Um, you know, and certainly, and I make no bones about it. I did not vote for uh, President Obama, but look at the wasted opportunity of bringing, there was an opportunity to bring inclusiveness together like Reagan did in 1980. And it's just been totally squandered. And I think the difference has Instead, it's divide, divide, divide by class, by everything. And, And that's just not leadership. Real leaders unite, real leaders build coalitions. And it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your principles. That's right. It means you have to stand for something and then market your message. You know, bring people together, show them how they will benefit. I mean, the thing that, if you look at President Reagan, when I talk about creating that vision, you know, it's morning again. I mean, Reagan would not only create the vision, but then he'd go straight to the American people and show them how they would benefit from it, right. how they could be part of it. And, and you said you grew up in the 80s. Did you not in the 80s believe that anything was possible I absolutely because this did. was America? I absolutely did. I mean, that there was no, there were no boundaries, there were no barriers, and guess what? If there were, you could go above them, beneath them, around them, regardless of your, you know your, the color of your skin or the, the where where you grew up or the amount of money you have in the bank. I mean, I, you know, we grew up in a my very lower to middle class family. My dad never made more than thirty thousand dollars in his entire life in a, in a year. He didn't even graduate from high school, and 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 yet I believed, I believed in anything. And everything in America. Yeah. And and how do we create that again? It, it's all from the leadership. It's all from you know relating to people, reaching out to people, believing in people, empowering people. I mean, this is the, the, this is Reagan 101. Yep. That's what he did. That's what. That's why he was good, and that's why he was embraced, and that's why, you know, when he passed, I mean, you know, freeways were shut down, and people waited nine, ten hours in line to to view his casket. I mean, that because they loved a man many of them had never met. Yep. No, he was, it was a, he was, and definitely will go down as one of the greatest presidents. I know history will be very kind to him. I, I do believe that. It already has been in a lot of ways for sure. What, so when did it start for you on terms of um, kind of getting passionate about leadership? And was it, was it before this? Was it when you were in college? And did, did it really hit you when you started working for Reagan? When did it start for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely, you know, in, in college, I debated in college, and, and I saw the importance of communication. I saw the importance of, of, of you know, believing in something and, and articulating and fighting for it, and I saw that in the president and tried to emulate that. And then I started my first business when I was 21, 22 years old, so I had to then practice what I was preaching. And so, 
you know, from an emotional intelligence standpoint, I needed to, you know, when, when you talk about emotional intelligence, self-awareness, social awareness, relationship management, self-management, all these different pieces, you then have to start putting it together. How do I, you know, how do I show empathy? How do I show inspirational leadership? How do I show adaptability and succeed in all of those facets? And so, you know, you start to learn from others. And for me, you know, I surround myself. So this, this is where it, this Reagan made such an impact with me. President Reagan had what he affectionately called his kitchen cabinet. Okay. Mm, yeah. And, and uh, you know, you probably heard about that. And maybe some of, your, some of your listeners have not. But every president has a cabinet. But President Reagan had a kitchen cabinet, a group of trusted advisors that he surrounded himself with that were not yes men. These yeah. people were, had three things that he wanted. They were brutally honest. They had a shared vision. And they were success-oriented. And they all looked out for each other. And so for me in my life, my entire adult life, I have had what I call my kitchen cabinet. And uh, they're very important to me, you know, probably five, six members of that. And I don't make a big decision in my life without talking to them. And it doesn't mean that I don't believe in my own decision making. It means I'm smart enough to, to do what President Reagan did, which is surround yourself with the people that are even smarter than you so that it creates a brain trust. And now all of a sudden you have a chance, a fighting chance to make great decisions. And if three out of four or four out of five of my kitchen cabinet members tell me not to do something, guess what I'm not doing? But if four out of five tell me to take a, you know, a chance, I may take a calculated risk and try to make it happen. So, you know, I thank the president all the time, um, you know, uh, personally before and, and, and now privately, you know, in my prayers and, and just say, you know, thank you for being a great leader that I can emulate, that I can look up to, that I can try to, to follow, uh, you know, a path to success. And that's really what the book Lead Like Reagan is about. Um, you know, he, he, each chapter, I mean, he created the vision, he assembled the team, he communicated the message, he led by example, he took action, he handled crisis along the way, and ultimately he changed the world. And how do you do all those things in your own life and business to be successful? Oh, I'm so excited to read it. I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, you brought up a great point, you know, and I hadn't thought about that until you brought it up about his inner circle and as leaders how important it is to, to us to have an inner circle sometimes i think people think an inner circle has a bad connotation but to your point and i think this is what reagan did so well is he didn't surround himself as you put it with yes men you know he you know d despite what you think i mean look at that who he had you know from 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 don regan to casper weinberger to uh what was the chairman fed uh paul uh vocler and, and hey alexander Haig. all these people are kind of well known for kind of if it wasn't for that team, I don't think you would have had the bipartisan kind of, um, what am I trying to say? The bipartisan type of, of vibe that was going to, that kind of went through in the eighties. Agreed. Well, well look at, look, look at James Baker, James Baker, ran oh, yeah, a Baker campaign for sure. Against Absolutely. Ronald Reagan. And he still chose that's him right. to be his right hand. I mean, if that's not true leadership, that's I right. don't know what is, there's no spite. There's no revenge in his heart. He wanted the best people on his team regardless. And, 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 and that's what it's all about. I mean, I would say just out of humility, if you ask the president, he, he would be the first one to admit, like a lot of very, you know, people that are, that are smart enough to understand this, they're not the smartest one in the room. But my friends, he was going to get the smartest from here and here and here and here. And all of a sudden, he had this circle of power, this, this brain trust, as, as I would call it. And, and that's really, you know, that's why I, I get to speak for groups like Vistage and YPO. Yeah. Vistage is a CEO support group around the country. Yeah. You know what I love about that? Here are, these, here are these top leaders who put themselves in a vulnerable position, who understand they have to be lifelong leaders, who are willing to lay it on the line and say, hey, I need help in growing my business, you know, being uh, great with my family, you know, all these different things. And that's why, 
I love meeting other CEOs and other leaders that understand there's so much to learn. And, and that's why I love doing what I do because I get to meet great people. I get to, you know, not only hopefully add some value to them along the way, but then also I'm learning. I have to go back and run my own business. I have to be, you know, a father, a husband, and, and how can I be better about that each and every day? And, you know, how can I be a better communicator, a vision creator, you know, leader, um, and, and, and ultimately an inspirational leader that, that builds people up around them and, uh, and, and helps expand leadership along the way and, and in the end leave a mark on, on our community and society. I mean, isn't that kind of what we all want to do? I mean, we have one shot at life. Wouldn't you want to make it great? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, halfway through the show, I want to take some time out, just a brief moment, to talk about my partners at 99designs. You know, if you were like me in the beginning, I remember I was dreaming of a logo, a perfect website design, but I didn't know how to get started. I was worried about a budget. Well, that's where 99designs came in, and they can certainly help. 99designs is the world's largest graphic design marketplace, and it makes it easy for you to to get a design that you love. Just go to their website, tell them about the design you need, and pick a price package that works for you. And that's where the fun really starts up. And this is what I loved about the process. Designers from all around the world will submit awesome designs, and you give them your feedback. And within a week, you get to pick out your favorite and be the proud owner of a gorgeous unique new design with thousands of designers at your fingertips there's no limit to what you can get designed i've used 99 designs and i love working with them and what they did for me so what is it that you need you can boost your brand's visibility with a t-shirt drive more traffic with a sleek new banner ad or a landing page whatever it is you need projects start at just 199 dollars, and your happiness is always 100 percent guaranteed visit 99designs.com slash leadership and you can get a 99 dollars power pack of services absolutely free today go check them out so tell me a little bit more what do you think you know kind of shifting away from reagan and about you and, and certainly the message what do you think are the biggest challenges that we face as leaders at, on an individual level yeah I, I think that i think what you have today is is you have a lot of people going it alone um and, and it goes back to the kitchen cabinet scenario. I think that um, people uh, want to be at point, you know, B, and they end up at point, you know, F or Q or so, you know, and, and and they get blinders on and they and they forget what matters within companies. And it, you know, it's in the end, what matters is the people. It's all about the people you surround yourself with. You are only as good as those people. And and within my own company, I mean, I pride myself in the fact that I have people that have been there for a long time, um, you know. A decade, you know, or longer. I mean, we're, you know, we're, I own a real estate title company in Florida, for example, and uh, you know, we try to create an environment where, you know, it's drama-free. People have the autonomy to make decisions and 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 be creative, and and you have to treat the people around you right. When you do that within your company, within your community, within your family, uh, it, it's it's life-changing, and and it, it builds people up and, and makes you better. And so I think that that we need leaders that are. Very Vision creators that can um, can tell people what they want, where they want to be, and then show everyone their role in it and how they're going to get there. And, and right now, I just I, it's it's hard for me because I want to believe, I want to believe, I want to find people to believe in, and it's just hard because you know you have a lot of people that look out for themselves, that um, that that care about you know the system as opposed to the community. And protecting their power zones, and that's just not what real leadership's about. Yeah, I agree with you. You know what? I think you and I are about the same age. How how old are you? Do you mind me asking? What's your exact forty five? Forty five. I'm I'm the same age as you, exact same age. And so, 
you know, and I went through a period, I don't know, maybe about 24 months ago prior to starting this podcast. And I've talked about this a handful of times on the show. And um, I started tuning out more on the kind of the norm, uh, the, the, the kind of normal media outlets. And I started getting into the more entrepreneurial side. And as I become more entrepreneurial myself and getting associated with other like-minded folks, and there's a huge community, especially in the online space of millennial age. And I hate using labels, but just for, for what it is, people that are in their early 20s, late 20s, early 30s, um, who are really in this. And I started becoming encouraged because I see in that segment a huge entrepreneurial rebirth or at least an an outlook that I didn't see in the 90s and dare I even say when I was really in entrepreneurship in the 80s was it was a different vibe of entrepreneurship now I'm seeing kind of a selfless I want to be sort of part of something bigger than ourselves I want to change the world positive vibe what is your take on that since you're an entrepreneur too do you see the same thing that I'm seeing no, I, I agree with that. And I mean, I have these same conversations with my own kids. You know, my son is 19 now. And I mean, and this is, this is a very, <laughs> this is a very entrepreneurial view of life. But, you know, I tell him, I said, look, you know, if you want to go to law school and you become a lawyer, where do you have to be each day? You know, in the corridor in your office. If you want to be a doctor, and I love that, you know, people are willing to go out and, and be doctors and everything else. But, you know, you've got to be in, in, in surgery or you've got to be in your office. I mean, I said, but when you own apartment buildings or when you start businesses, <laughs> you know, where do you need to be each day? And, and and it's I love entrepreneurs for this reason. You know, there's a great saying. It says, um, "What is the definition of, an, of a real entrepreneur? Somebody who's willing to work 80 hours a week so they don't have to work 40." Right. <laughs> right. And 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 it's so true because it doesn't mean that you don't work hard. It just means that you, in the, in the true American dream, you know, classic definition, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. And, 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 and so if you're willing to work harder, so yes, I do see that. And I'm very fortunate. I speak for a group called Leadership Institute out of Washington, D.C., so I speak on college campuses around the country on a regular basis. And so I'm constantly in touch with these kids, and there is an entrepreneurial vibe, as you say, and, and it's exciting, and I encourage it along the way because for a while there, and there, were, there was what I called you know, the decade of, in the wilderness. You know, I think I would meet 100 kids, and 80 of them would say they were going to law school. Right. You know, 80 out of 100, I'm like, where are all these players going to be working? I mean, yes. it, it was crazy. And and they all, you know, and these were good-hearted kids. They would all say, I'm going to change the world, you know. And, and I love that. But, you know, the best way for me, from my perspective, to change the world is, is, is make an impact, is, is, you know, create something, hire somebody, um, you know, give great service to something. And, 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 and if you can do that and make money along the way and, and, and then do great things with that money from giving back to your community, I mean, these are the people we should be celebrating, the ones who give back, the ones who, you know, start charities, the ones who contribute to, you know, to 501c3s or, you know, to, um, you know, all these great nonprofits that need and want our help. That's where the American spirit should be, you know, glorified and, 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 and you know we should be given credit to. Oh, amen to that. You couldn't. I couldn't say that any better myself. And I think I think it's so critical, especially. Um, and I try to tell my my two oldest daughters. My oldest is will be a senior in high school this year. And and I get in some debates with my wife about this because my wife is still kind of of the mindset is like, well, you have to go to college, you have to do this because you got to get the entrance for that other job. And I just I've completely shifted from that. I think. I think you got to follow your passion, your heart. And I know that kind of sounds cliche, but at least in the fact you've got to follow, um, you got to follow what you were put on this planet to do. You got to find that purpose. And that there's a leadership element of that, of, of finding that. And I think you just got to pursue it like, 
with with maniacal now, Richard, intent. You're not going to take away from your daughters the opportunity to go have fun in college, are you? <laughs> well, I just I just might. <laughs> I, I, I always, I, it's funny because I always tell my kids. I said the opposite. I, I'm saying I'm saying, look, you know, the reward for high for young people. All these kids who goof around in high school and you know think they're having a great time and they're cool and everything. I said the dividing line is when everybody gets their acceptance letters to college because yeah. you know college is not only a great opportunity to network and meet people and kind of find out what you like and who you are, but it's also a great time to have fun and meet people and be yeah, independent. And, and and so I encourage you know I encourage that, but 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 it's, it's all part of what you're saying. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying you know it's it's part of you know. Finding out what you love, and and you know a lot of times at at you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old, you don't know what you want to do. Absolutely, you know, you know yeah. most people don't. And 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 you know what? I didn't know five minutes or you know or five days before I went into the vending. You know, discovered I was going to go into the vending business, my first business, that I was going to do it. Yeah, I met somebody, and, and opportunities happened, and then I did it. And then I I started a trust company, and I didn't know I was going to go into the trust business. And and then I started a real estate title company, and I didn't know I was going to go into the title business. So much of life is, is the people you meet, the opportunities that are put before you, and whether you are willing to take advantage of them, to say hello to somebody on a plane, or, or to say, you know, stop and talk to somebody along the way who you never know. I call it dream sharing, right? You never know who you're going to help or who you, can, you know, who you can help along the way or if they can help you, unless you're willing to just communicate and talk to people and open up and, you know, share your dreams and ask them what their dreams are, and maybe you can connect them with others. I mean, that to me is the absolute most exciting part of life. Yeah, That's it, why I love talking, talking to my employees. I love talking to friends and saying, you know, what do you want out of life? What, you know, where do you want to be? Do you love what you do? How can I help you get there? I mean, that's exciting. No, that's very exciting. I'm glad you brought that up. And I agree with your point. I, I'm not anti-college. I'm thinking, uh, to, to your point, like you said, if you can go with it with that perspective, like you just articulated, that, look, this is an opportunity to meet new people, to experience new things, to experiment, take risks, to do this. I agree with you 100%. What I, was, what I don't like is this, this kind of this attitude that you have to go to college so you can punch your ticket so you can get a good paying job that, with that mentality, right? Look, right. At, it, look at it in the no, sense totally of – look at it in the sense, like you said, it's about enriching your life, finding connections. And you're absolutely right. And when you were kind of listing, I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's the same thing as like every time that I've, I look at my career, I didn't know I was going to sign up for the Marine Corps. And like you said, to the day that I did it, you know, I just kind of did. And not that I was just going on a whim, but, and you look at all those connections, those links in the chain, and that's what makes life so kind of, um, like you said, so beautiful. That's the exciting thing about it. So, yeah. Oh, I you love know, what I, you said. I, I, I have this theory, okay? And if you'll indulge me for a second. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I have this theory. So I am convinced, and, and I, I, when, I, when I speak, I, I kind of start off talking about this because it's so important to me. But I'm convinced that I have this thing. I say, when you leave, you know, this room and ultimately one day, you know, when you leave your job and ultimately when you leave this earth, we will all be remembered. You will be remembered by the story that you told about yourself and nothing different. And, and, I, and I ask the, you know, people, and I'll ask you, I mean, you know, I say, are you a yes and or a yes but story? And then the two examples I give are Reagan and Nixon. I say, you know, Reagan was yes and, and Nixon was next yes but, and history remembers them differently because of it. So Reagan would say, yes, yes, I was poor, and I was emotionally wealthy. Mm. Yes, I had a hard time dealing with a tough Congress, 
and that gave me alternative viewpoints to choose from. Nixon was writing a different story. Nixon would say, you know, yes, I went to college, but I didn't go to an Ivy League school, and that's where all the elites went. Yes, I was president, but I had enemies. You know, yes, I was popular, but the media was out to get me. And he was writing a different story. And to, to quickly show you how this works in the real world, I'm sitting out the lacrosse fields with one of my older sons, um, uh, when, with my younger son, when one of my older son's friends walks by, and I said, hey, how you doing? And he kind of looked at me and put his head down. He goes, just okay, Mr. Quiggle. And he kept walking. And I, I kind of said, you know, I thought, gosh, that was interesting. It seemed negative. So I stepped away from these parents I was talking to. I said, no, really, you're starting to look at colleges? And he was a junior. And he actually goes, well, actually, Mr. Quiggle, I'm, I'm thinking of taking a year off. And I'm like, a year off from high school? Last time I checked, that's called dropping out. <laughs> you know, does anybody else have a different <laughs> definition for that? So I hunt this kid down about, you know, 50 feet away. And I said, hey, that was a pretty important statement you just said to me. Are you okay? And he started telling me his problems. You know, he used to have a three five and now he's a two five and his parents were upset with him and his girlfriend broke up with him and you know, I'm like, Look, you write the story of your own success and I told him the whole yes and yes but story. I said, So are you gonna let it be written for you, poor so and so drops out of high school? Or are you gonna write a new story that starts today that said, Yes, I had a hard time and now I'm on my way back? Because all believe it. Your parents will believe it, your friends will believe it if you believe it. So he goes off to his lacrosse practice. An hour later, I'm walking off with my younger son. I see this kid out of the corner of my, my, my eye, and he runs almost a football field toward me. He gets about 20 feet from me. He goes, Mr. Quiggle, and I turn around. He goes, yes, and thank you. That's and he awesome. runs all the way back. And my point is, is your, your employees are listening. Your family's listening. Your friends are listening to the story that you are telling. And it's so easy to get down and get, yes, but the economy, but this, but that. And, and, and the reality is that if the, mar- you know, the market's down 40%, all that matters is what part of the 60% remaining do we have? Yeah. And, and, and it's the same thing in life. So much of life is perception. You can choose to be negative. You can choose to be angry. You can choose to let things bother you. Or you can choose to move forward. And what I witnessed in the president, what I witnessed in great CEOs and great leaders and, 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 you know, from politicians to athletes, the ones who are the greatest, is that they choose to be optimistic. They choose to find the good in things. They choose to find opportunity even in the middle of crisis. Yep. And that's what the difference is. It really is so true. You're so true. I mean, the difference between success and failures is uh, all of us – have anything in common we're all going to deal with adversity setbacks failures pain loss whatever it is and the ability for us to deal with it is the difference between those who are successful and those that aren't because that's what you just really hit the hit the head of the nail on i mean it's just absolutely true you know i was thinking about you, you go ahead what were you gonna say no go ahead well, I was just going to say, you grew up in the same age as I did, and you know, I'm sure you listened to the Eagles and everything as you're growing up, especially in California. Uh, did you grow up in California? Is that where you grew up? I did. I did. I grew up in Southern California. But yet, have you seen that documentary about uh, the history of the Eagles? No, I haven't. I haven't. I would love to, though. The, there was a great, and you know, I'm not a huge Eagles fan, but I, I, I love watching documentaries and just kind of stories of people going through the trials and tribulations. And you can imagine you know, Joe Walsh, who was talking on there he, he had a quote and i thought it kind of reminded me of what you were talking about of of how kind of life kind of goes and you never know what's going to happen and he and he said and i'm paraphrasing but he, he was saying as you live your life you know it kind of appears uh to be anarchy and full of chaos and a lot of random events and they're all smashing into each other causing that situation in this situation and it can be overwhelming as it's happening and and later when you look back on it 
all that anarchy and chaos really looks like a finely crafted novel, right? I mean, and, and I thought that was just a brilliant insight from, from him. So anyway, I just wanted to interject that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, no. No, not at all. I love it. And, and, and see, and that's why, okay, so um, you're probably familiar with Coke Industries, right? KFCH. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's in my hometown. They're a big, big impact here in Wichita, yep. Okay, yeah, so Wichita. So, sorry, so Coke Industries. So um, the book Science of Success by Charles Coke. Have you read that by any chance? Yes, I have. Okay, okay, great book. Um, great book. And, and a matter of fact, so, so, you know, funny story. I'm sitting at, a, um, at an event one day up in Washington, D.C., a little VIP room, and uh, elevator doors open up, and out walks Mitt Romney and David Coke. Wow. Well, you know, out of the 14 people in the room, 12 of them ran up to Mitt Romney, and I, and I grabbed my wife by the hand. I said, sorry, Mitt Romney, that's, that's David Koch. He's worth $42 billion. I'm going to go learn something from that guy. So I walked over. <laughs> Nobody even really probably knew who he was. And, and I walked over, and I got to introduce myself and, and you know, told him, you know, talked to him about the technology. And I was chairman of Americans for Prosperity at the time in, in, in Florida and, and uh, for the state. And so we small talked for a minute, and finally I said, hey, David, by the way, I really enjoyed your brother's book, The Science of Success. And he, he looked at me and he said, oh, really? What was your favorite part? Totally trying to bust me to see if I read that right. book, which I thought, and my wife later told me she was very worried for me at that moment because she thought I didn't read that book. And she goes, I thought you were going down in flames. So um, I'm glad she believes in me. So, <laughs> anyway, long, so I said, um, and, and I said, David, it's interesting you asked that because I actually had one sentence in the whole book. It was my favorite. I circled it. I underlined it. And I put stars all around it. And it's how I'm trying to live my life right now and my business. He said, really? One sentence. He goes, all right, you got me. What is it? And, and, and I love this. And I, I want you to listen carefully to these two words put together. But it said Coke success. I mean, they have 102,000 employees. Yep. You know, they just bought Georgia Pacific personally for like 21 billion or whatever that number was. And it said Coke success was based on, and I love these two words, the creative destruction of their operations on a regular basis to stay competitive. Yep. The creative destruction. So they, they rip it apart and put it back together. The technology, do we even have the right technology? You know, the process, the team, the sales, the product, the margins. And here's my argument. It's the same in life, yep. in business, in politics. Why do we do what we did today? Because we did it yesterday. And what we really need to do is do a little creative destruction and rip apart different parts of our lives, different parts of our leadership style, different parts of our, you know, of our companies, and put them back together. And, and, and by doing that, it allows us, and, and you know, I, I kind of use the Tiger Woods golf analogy to change our swing, or the Oprah Winfrey, you know, TV show when she was number one, changed, changed her format so she could be even better. Um, you know, how do we change our format? How do we change our swing? And, 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 and in life, we do it through creative destruction. So I challenge the listeners listening to, to do a little creative destruction in their own lives, rip it apart, put it back together, see what works, what's not working, and see if there's a better way to communicate, a better way to sell, a better name, way to lead, a better way to be you know, a better husband or wife or, 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 or father or mother. And, and, and make life fun and challenging each and every day. Well, i got to tell you, Dan, this has been a fun conversation for me. I, I'm so happy that I came across your book and uh, your your agency put me in touch with you because this has just been a blast for me, and I and I mean that wholeheartedly. This has been one of the the better conversations, and and I've done 100 and coming on 160 episodes, and uh, i got to tell you, I, this has been a real pleasure for me. Where can people find you and get in touch with you? 
Yeah, so the best way is quigglegroup.com, quigglegroup.com, and uh, you can find a link to my book, Lead Like Reagan, uh, right there. Um, contact me, view my bio, um, watch some videos if you, if you want, um, but definitely uh, willing to help out anybody if they ever need help from me. Awesome. Well, I look forward to having you back on the show. There's so much more we could talk about. But uh, like I said, Dan, thanks for coming on the show, and, uh, and my, I just appreciate it so much. Richard, you know what I appreciate the most? The fact I can tell you love America. <laughs> you love entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial spirit and, and liberty and the free market, and that's, that's what it's all about. That's why I loved you know, working for the president, and I love talking to people like you. So thank you for your time. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Hang on the line. We'll talk for a minute, but uh, thanks for coming on. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.